Am I, am I loud enough? Too loud? You right. both, you both fine. I just, I was fiddling with my knobs before. I've sorted it. <coughs> well, knobs plural, Jesus. <laughs> I've got more than one. Um, anyway, let's crack on. Hello and welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast, the only rugby podcast that spent its Saturday watching the National Shield final at the top of a soft play centre. I am Cammy Black, and joining me this evening is Ian Hay. Valar Margulis. Um, and uh, returning with his mentions on social media, now intact but still facing abuse from strangers in the street, it's John Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Evening, folks. Um, the, you can get in touch with us, everybody, um, through the blog, scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. Uh, there is podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk if you want to drop us an email. We're on Twitter at Cammy Black or at Scott Rugby Blog. We're on Facebook and Instagram, two of you, if you search for us. Um, Referendum actually got in touch with us through the blog via the comments on the podcast page um, for feedback on last week's Hands in the Rook, where me and Ian um, discussed the Israel Falau um, incident. Um, thank you, everyone, for the, the feedback on that. It's all been um, roundly positive. Uh, Referendum, however, has pulled us up on uh, the fact that we were quoting from 1 Corinthians 6, and not Leviticus as we claimed, Ian. So back to Bible studies. Leviticus in my book. <laughs> back to Bible studies for us. <laughs> I, um, I, go- I googled it first as well just to make sure because obviously I'm not going to read all the way through that just to find that bit. <laughs> so Google, Google, it's not us. Google, so the internet was wrong. Um, yeah, but then it was confirmed in my one copy of the uh, the Christian Bible. So I don't that, know. Is, haven't you got a child's Bible though? I don't know. Oh, anyway. it's, it's the easy reader version. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure. Referendum probably knows more about these things than us. Um, but he. Well, he, also, what, take France, he also said there was a hole in my soul that was filled by the reintroduction of the jingles. So um, yeah, might. <laughs> yes. Clearly. Might might be could be the uh, could be the start of a new cult. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, we've we normally start with crap call-offs. Um, and we've had the same crap call-off submitted by a number of people uh, this week, and I'm just going to bring it up. It was a very special crap call-off, um, and this was it. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously, you just got to deal with it. So Johnny's going at both ends, unfortunately. So. That's it. Dave Rennie's saying that Johnny's going at both ends. Um, <laughs> Johnny Gray's this week's crap call-off, of course, for, um, yes, Going at both ends, as Dave Rennie so eloquently put it. Um, I think he's, he's, he's that tall, he could be sitting on the pan and lean over into the sink. So, you know, <laughs> I think he should be all right. He should be fine. I'm sure he's fine. Um, in other news, there's been a bit of a rush of news today. Um, Scotland have announced Philip Doyle as a new head coach of the women's international side. Um, he won the 2013 Grand Slam with Ireland women and then they came fourth in 2015 at the World Cup under him. So it's good to see the SRU investing in coaches with a proven track record, I guess. Yep. So, some suggestions should be a younger a younger coach, but I think probably getting someone established in at this stage in the development's a good thing. Um, Glasgow... Yeah, basic right first. Uh, I think that's probably right. Um, Glasgow, rather than Embra, have signed a scrum half. Hey, 17-year-old um, under-18 international Jamie Doby, um, named exciting prospect of the year in 2018 by the offside line. Uh, he signed a two-year deal. So, happy about that, guys? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, looks uh, from from seeing him at age grade level um, and all the sort of reports that are coming out, he seems to be, yeah, very, very highly rated. Um, 
again, coming in at this point to learn from Ali Price and George Horn um, is is a good, uh, that's a good learning ground for any young scrum half. So, yeah, excited. Good. Um, in other news this week, Premier Rugby have still to agree a deal with World Rugby that will allow non-English players playing in the Premiership to be released to national teams for World Cup training camps. This again, we had this four years ago, I think. Um, a similar thing. Um, so there's obviously a lot of Scottish players affected by this. Um, it's probably all going to be fine, I would suspect. They're just holding out for more money. Yeah, but why is it every time that something like this pops up, it's always the English Premier League that's involved? I mean, the top 14 seems to have dropped that kind of, you know, antagonistic, which allow behind it kind of, uh, kind of tactic. It always seems to be the Premier League now. Yeah, it's also just report. I think it quite often, if you think about it, it's, it's reported in. We see it in English-based press a lot of times, and it is you know trying to keep the Premiership at the centre of the universe. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it, it will it'll work itself out. It always does, and yeah. they'll realise that England are. They need to just stop being silly about it. Yeah, I mean, it's not stopped Wales. Annou- Wales have announced their bloated training squad this week. It's not stopped them naming uh, Premiership-based players. I would imagine that it won't be long until we see a Scotland squad announced. Um, although, obviously, Wales haven't got any players in the um, involved in the um, playoffs. I saw it far as well. They've got the Scarlets in the um, European yeah, playoffs. Yeah, but European no teams in the uh, the big the main playoffs anyway, so they probably can just crack on with things. Uh, apart from maybe a couple of individuals, uh, Thomas Francis, Liam Williams. Yes, good show, good yeah. show. Um, but yeah, so we we'll probably have the Scotland camp soon. We'll probably find out where they're going. Presumably not back to France to kill rabbits this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, any ideas where Townsend might take them, John? Oh, I think Tony strikes me as a sort of Las Vegas sort of guy. I think they'll go. They'll, they'll go out on an absolute bender in LA. It'll be uh, LV. Sorry, it'll be outstanding. They'll have great fun. I think they'll do that for a night. Then he'll uh, take them up the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. Is that a euphemism? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's going to go full Brokeback Mountain. Right? <laughs> I don't know how to quit you. <laughs> um, the. Um... I was thinking more a quiet writing retreat seems more his style. Go into yeah. some think some some big deep thinking. That's what he's going to take Reflection them away to do. Type. Yeah. Yeah. Then it goes all Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> so, murder mystery weekend. You know the players have got a it's survival weekend. Um, That's it. Being chased by an actual murderer. You just imagine. I'm trying to think who it would be. I'm trying to think who would be the most. For like, I can just imagine Finn. <laughs> Typewriter, all work and no play makes Finn a dull boy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's true. That is that is true of Finn Russell. All work and no play does make Finn a dull boy. We know that. It sure does. Um, we'll move on. We're gonna we're gonna get to the big game of the weekend in a moment. But first, let's look at the other smaller game from the weekend: the eighteen seventy two dead rubber between Glasgow and Edinburgh. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> I yeah, that one was coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's probably the answer. That is, it was, I mean, it was a good run up for Glasgow and it's good for Glasgow to see all the uh, top top position because they wouldn't have done, if they hadn't won that game in the way they did, they wouldn't have seen it. I think, you know, Munster beat Connacht, so yep. they needed to win it. They won it. It was good, a good run out, but not, I mean, it was a good test of their defence at stages. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, they made lots of tackles. It was, it was kind of, you know, I think Edinburgh could still be playing just now and wouldn't be scoring a try. It was, <laughs> they were, they were, they were. I mean, it was turgid, turgid, turgid stuff from them. And I mean, people have shouted out that they were lacking a, a plan B, and. I think that was really evident. They were just doing the same thing. Box kick, batter, batter, batter. And then Glasgow would turn them over and go and score. You know, definition of insanity and all that. Um, So, yeah, it was was hard to watch, actually, because they've come quite far as a team. But their limitations were really badly exposed at the weekend. Yeah, you know things are bad when Richard Cockrell stood down on the touchline. (laughs) he was maybe just fancying a game i mean he's about the same age as ross ford so (laughs) (laughs) we'll come on to Fordy's big chance in a minute um (laughs) it's it's interesting i suppose like like you said it probably i mean there's there's two issues i think with emma one is obviously that they do lack a plan b it's just box kicking and Sort of t- taking it through the pack at the minute, and uh, they were unlucky to lose Darcy Graham. They're unlucky not to have Blair Kinghorn, I guess. And yeah, you can get give the ball to Big Duhan, but other than that, other than him running very, very fast at people, he doesn't really offer an awful lot else. I'll probably get pelters for that from Ember fans. Um, but I think, I mean, it probably just shows the difference in depth. And I don't, I'm not in squads as well because it's not just depth in terms of quality of player. I think it's just more. Glasgow have got more squad players that aren't affected by, or probably better quality standard of, of squad players that aren't affected by international call-ups. Plus, then they can call on someone like Tom Gordon, who fits in, seemingly who's you know barely played for Glasgow this season. I was trying to look, and has he played a couple of games on the bench? He's played, played, he's got two Pelopians, one or two. Yeah, I think he's played. I think he played against Ospreys in January. I think right was his debut, but that was his first start as far as I'm aware. Yeah, but he he just comes in and slots in, and I think that's the thing with Ember. Ember, Ember haven't got. I think they probably they will get there, but they haven't really got to the point where they can just slot someone in like Tom Gordon and then not be a noticeable difference in the overall performance of the team. Because, yeah, oh, sorry, Ian, you know, you go. No, but then you sort of look at what Edinburgh. Well, I remember about a year ago to this to this day, pretty much that uh, when. There was rumours that Luke Hamilton was going to Edinburgh. We were like, I, I especially was saying that's not going to happen because they had so many back rows. Yep. Um, so you know, Edinburgh have got a lot of quality in that back row, uh, but then someone like Tom Gordon, who's a relative unknown, he comes along and like, you know, we're talking Barkley, Watson, Mata here, you know, yeah. first choice guys. Yep. Um, and even if one of them is missing, you've got Richie or Bradbury that could possibly have come in, or Luke Hamilton, who's now getting, you know, papped out. Um, so, that's yeah. his. Well, that's his own. That's the strange thing with the strange thing with Luke Hamilton is that there was an offer on the table and he's decided to take himself elsewhere. Yep. Yep. I think well, it, was, it was. Yeah, yeah. There was, there, there was an offer, and Guy um, Cockrell had said that. Um, yeah, he's he's decided to leave, and I mean, I think you just have to look at that back row. Hamilton's preferred position is eight. You're never going to get in the team ahead of Mata in yeah. a million years. Um, Barkley can play eight. Bradbury can play. Um, there's, I mean, yeah, without well, going into the depth of Edinburgh's back row, I don't know who else could, but there's plenty there. Yeah, it's maybe. I, I mean, it's, I suppose that the, in terms of the depth, then it's Edinburgh probably lacking in the backs. 
that was probably the noticeable difference. They, they haven't got once you've got Darcy Graham off the pitch, and you're playing Simon Hickey instead of Jaco van der, van der Volk. I haven't got the I haven't got the music queued up. Sorry. Um, <laughs> That's all right. It's it, you know again it's hard to you know they've got Bennett but it's maybe the back three in in the backs that that's where, where they haven't got the depth they've got the players but they haven't necessarily got the the depth that, that Glasgow have in terms of people that just can come in and do a job. Was it just me or does Simon Hickey look like Ramsey Bolton? <laughs> <laughs> Even I... pulls the same faces that kind of you know screwed up like oh that's not good sort of face. He's just, he looks to me like an electrician. <laughs> <laughs> that's, he just got that face just, and that's no, you know, no disrespect to electricians, but he just looks like a bloke that should be an electrician. I think that's, 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 you know. The beauty of Vicky. <laughs> yeah. It's just, he doesn't look like a rugby player. Just, Brilliant. yeah. And then you've got Tom Gordon, who looks every inch the crazy rugby player with his you know, ridiculous hairdo and excellent goatee. An absolutely battered face. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Mashed in. And we should we should say his his man of the match interview was absolutely glorious. Epic, wasn't it? Oh, I've not seen it yet. Oh, oh Ian. Oh mate. Carry on talking. On. Carry on talking and I'll find it. Basically uh, it's yeah, it's basically just him going uh yeah um no idea i um don't don't know the game plan no idea don't know what happens next don't even know who we're playing who we qualified from sorry so uh here he's from uh Rotorua. does he speak with a kiwi accent or has he got a, a wee kiwi he's got a, yeah he's got quite a good yeah kiwi accent actually actually oh, really? yeah oh, he's, uh, he's quite quite similar to gibbons actually oh awesome that's uh i'm glad to hear it send up binski i just want to cheek it one more time <laughs> Don't even get started on officials. We're we're gonna we're having an official, official, official um, non-disclosure night. We're not talking about them. Is that officially? Officially, officially yeah. I'm, I'm... Although I did I, I did say on the, on on our um, on the chat that we the little message thing that we have. Um, I did ask you guys because I thought they said I use the, the Glasgow fans were singing I use Zebra in disguise to Edinburgh but apparently you were saying it, it, are you are you Clancy in disguise are you Clancy I can I can reveal it was are you Clancy in disguise uh, yes that's what are you Zebra in disguise would have been very creative though I mean that's a really good insult <laughs> I'm really sorry Edinburgh fans if this becomes a, if this becomes a thing from the East End massive man <laughs> Yeah, we'll contact the East Stand. Oh, you're in the East Stand, Ian, aren't you? No, I'm not. I'm North Stand. Oh, you North Stand? Yeah. Um, oh, what's wrong with the North Stand? You got an issue with North I'm gonna, I'm gonna North move. I'm going to move this on before that sticks and I get trouble for it. Here's, here's Tom Gordon's Man of the Match interview. You got to Edinburgh, though, right from the off, though. How important was it to, to attack that game plan right from the start of this match? Oh, oh no, I don't know. I don't even know. Uh, I'm not going to be second questions, but yeah, so... What about you're now up against the winner of Ulster against Connets? I mean, how do you feel going into to a fixture of that magnitude? Oh, no, I have no idea what's going on after this, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I'm just happy about the win here. So. Tom, you are the Guinness Pro 14 Man of the Match. Congratulations <laughs>
legend. That is a that, that, oh, that's up there with oh. who is that's up there with who who was that got the man in the match? He's now a box that said Top of the Moon, which is where Kevin gets his uh, name oh, from. Oh yeah, oh the big, the big yeah the big man. Oh what is ah uh, yeah yeah. I know who you mean. That's because Kevin, uh, who does ask, who does the stats for us, and he's also got his own blog. He, um, he, his Twitter handle is Top of the Moon, and, and it comes from a uh, a Glasgow player who said, "You know, asked at the man, you man of the match. How do you feel? I'm on top of the moon." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's. I'm assuming that's an, a, a mistake in idiom. I'm going to say Leori said that, or is it older? Yeah, it's older than that, mate. Um, <laughs> Uh, Bruno Stortoni. People are people are screaming this at us now. Um, they are. Yeah, we're showing we're showing our uh, ignorance here. I know. I'm I'm trying to Google it, but yeah. Uh, anyway, that's that was. Uh, Have you also got uh, Tartan Glasgow Warriors uh, boxer shorts up? No. <laughs> so if you type in Glasgow Warrior Warriors boxer, um, <laughs> you, you get a fine selection of a certain brand of boxer shorts <laughs> in a variety of Glasgow Warriors tartans. <laughs> Uh, yeah that's uh no i didn't i decided not to um i decided not to google that interestingly <laughs> enough <laughs> yeah no, i mean i might just buy a pair of these just now they look quite anyway nice. but yeah we we uh no if anybody knows or can remember who that was i can't find it kevin will obviously kevin miller will obviously know um but we can't, I can't find there was an art he was interviewed recently but there um there we go that is that 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 actually happened at some point um so um anyway we'll we'll back to the match we're not so we're not talking about official you don't want to talk about the officials no no okay that's fine and the other big question then uh coming out of the game is dave rennie's claim that adam hastings is going to be better than finn russell i mean of course he's going to say that because like he has to adam's employed by the sru dave rennie's his manager he's going into like one of the biggest games of the season for him. He has to talk him up. But, I mean, that's kind of like saying, you know, I might, I might drive a Ferrari one day. I might win the lottery. You know, it's not going to happen, but <laughs> it might happen. Yeah, Ian, are you, you think it's, I mean, he, he talked about him, it's more that's sort of a bit more level-headed and a bit more serious, you seem to suggest. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if, I mean, we always make this kind of, we have this image of Finn being, you know, sitting on a park bench, eating horrible, looking up at clouds, just waiting to be distracted by squirrels running about. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's some, you hear him talking sometimes, you read interviews with him, and that particularly that sort of thing he said, um, you know, if, if I'm ever having a bad day at training, I just remember, you know, a cold, wet day in the uh, doing stonemasoning. Um, so he is a sort of level-headed guy. He just, you know, he maybe uh, just displays it in a different way than others. Um, Hastings, I mean, I mean, me and John are big Finn fans. Uh, we all know this to be true. Hastings, I do love Hastings style, though. I mean, that uh, that game at Cardiff, and he was getting a wee bit of pelters for. Uh, I think you even made a gif of it, Cammy, and put it on Twitter. Yeah. And he's, you know, warming up and singing. You know, I like to see that kind of confidence from young players like that, particularly if you're a standoff, because you know, it's you're you're the main playmaker. You need to be confident. Or you could be a scowly faced little so and so like Owen Farrell. I'd rather go for someone like Finn or Adam. Um definitely. I don't they they you know, they both definitely have great distribution. Um kicking games are kind of similar. They both like to play nice and flat, 
Uh, one thing I would say is I think Hastings has got a better turn of pace. Um, Russell's maybe got slightly better. I don't know. A, a knack for the completely unknown. Hastings does pull off some nice flair stuff, but Finn can produce magic out of a out of less than a hat. He can pull out of a sock. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think they're both very good players. Uh, let's see what happens. Hastings yeah. is only. You know, 22, he's got four years on Finn. Finn broke through at Glasgow about the same age, so, you know, let's, uh, let's see what happens. Yeah, I mean, it's Lock good on. to have that. It's good to have that. I suppose the thing we should be thankful for is it's great to have that competition and for Scotland rather than where we've maybe been over the past 10 years, even longer. Absolutely, and also, you know, it just, again, raises the fact that we could have the pair of them played together at 10-12. Oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> 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 or even oh, ten and ten true. and fifteen. It worked. We will. It, it did fine. work. It did work. Fine. We'll we'll, we'll save that for our World Cup preview podcast. 10, I think. 15, Hog to thirteen. Um, King Horn at twelve. Yeah. I mean, what could go wrong? Um, I've got an update on on top of the moon. Um, right. And his interest relevant as well because the last time Glasgow beat Leinster in Dublin was back in twenty eleven. And that was the same game where Nick Campbell said on top of the moon when he described how he ah, was feeling. So it was Nick Campbell, who is now a boxer. Yep. So there you go. Right. Back in 2011. So there we go. Um, any more for any more on the 1872? Um, it, was a, it was a fairly comprehensive win for Glasgow. There's much more you can say, really. Bit of a yeah, wet fart of an ending to Ember season. Definitely. The, the, I mean, some of the tries Glasgow scored were very, very good, but they're not tries that you should be... I mean, Glasgow can do that to teams, but it's not It's not tries you should necessarily be... The defensive coach at Edinburgh will be a bit peeved about it all, really, because there were tries from nothing, really. It was just turnovers, and then Glasgow just ruthlessly exposed Edinburgh's sort of lack of cover. So it was, um, yeah, it was very, very pleasing to watch, though. Um, one thing we should mention, because otherwise people will be grumpy if we don't, but um, Kyle Stain on Mark Bennett. It's been described as, I think, um, Richard Cockrell said it was avoidable. I th- other people I have said it's deliberate. I, I, but I, I think would, I would he, disagree he, with that. Yeah, if it, I think avoidable is probably the right description. But that sort of thing goes on in rugby matches, and Kyle Stain wouldn't have intended for Mark Bennett to get injured in that way. He's just landed awkward on his ankle. Yeah, I just think it's another long, uh, another incident in the long series of unfortunate incidents from Mark Bennett. Yeah, it's, um, it's not looking. I mean, good. it took me loads of t- it took me loads of times to watch it back just to see it because you know they, they didn't actually replay it at any stage, so I just kept on having to rewind it and see exactly where it happens live. And you do kind of like Stain goes over and then he kind of makes a second movement and Bennett's ankle is well, his foot seems like his fourth foot seems to be kind of stuck. Stain's weight carries through and it's it looks like a nasty one for the the ankle and the knee. Um, like he's not had any issues with that kind of stuff before. Yeah. It's yeah. really unfortunate. What I'd put him in my uh, my combo team last week when we were on. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, so does it's not looking good for Mark Bennett. And good better news though is that um, Stuart McAnally's injury isn't as bad as 
as first fear denier there is Darcy Graham so that is kind of puts paid to the the, the mild tinge of like excite terrifying excitement I felt that that Ross Ford was one step closer to his fourth World Cup <laughs> when that stretcher came on for Stuart McAnally. Um also, where do the stretcher bearers come from at Glasgow? Because I've never, they, 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 they just seemed to not understand how a stretcher worked when they were trying to get them off the pitch. <laughs> I, I can, I can categorically confirm that the stretcher bearers at the Glasgow Games are also very, very um, judicious regarding people going onto the park. Um, we we attempted uh, my brother-in-law's stag do to get um, to get the big man in his pink tutu to go for a wee jog across the park, and uh, the Burley medical staff were very displeased about this idea. They they didn't look bold, but they looked elderly, is what they looked like. <laughs> maybe the maybe it's cost cutting. It's cost cutting. That's maybe it. uh, it's Hugh Jones's new contract. We've had to cut down on the the strength of the medical staff. <laughs> Just a couple, couple of old boys from the clubhouse. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's actually the the sixteenth warrior committee that's now the medical staff. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that was that was the eighteen seventy two cup. Um, which was not held at BT Murrayfield this year, um, despite the plans to do so. Huge fan pressure. But Silver Saturday still went ahead. There's still 5,000 people reported to attend. Um, we're going to get to the big game of the weekend in a minute. But there are some other noticeable results from the day that are worth talking about. Um, in the Sarah Beanie Cup, which was live on BBC Alba, uh, Watsonians beat Hillhead John in 2117. Uh, that was a repeat of last year's final. Um, where Watsonians actually lost to Hillhead 68-12. So congratulations to Watsonians, because that's a, a huge improvement over the last 12 months. Um, also, a special mention to Holly Davidson, because I caught some of this game, um, and she refereed the match absolutely brilliantly, far better than some far more experienced international referees. She properly applied the high tackle rule when a, um, as a Watsonians player, she yellow-carded, took somebody around the neck uh, with one arm, and it was around the sort of shoulder and neck, and that's a yellow card offence where I think more experienced referees would have let that one go and wrongly so. Um, she also overruled the TMO twice, which I love to see. And she did it. <laughs> yes. She did it with such authority. I was just, ah, oh, I was fanning myself going, oh, that is amazing. <laughs> she, the one was, it was a Watsonian strike. Just like we don't see this. Referees are standing up to TMOs. It was the Watsonian's first try and um, they took a quick tap. And um, it looked—it was just a quick time. One where sort of the player was next to the player passing the ball, and from the and, and they went and scored a try. And she asked to check for the forward pass, and um, she was watching on the big screen. The TMO says, uh, uh, "Holly, that's the best angle we've got, and I think that is clearly forward." And she said, "No, that's not clearly forward. I'm awarding the try." And I was like, "Yes!" I've never cheered on a referee before. <laughs> <laughs> and ben, ben Skeen was sitting at home realising his days are numbered. That's it. <laughs> um, and there was another, and yeah, the high tackle thing as well. She kind of, um, yeah, I think the high tackle thing as well. Um, she was very, she just, she didn't even wait for the TMO decision. She watched it on the big screen, made a decision, cracked on with the game, which was wonderful to see. And I think we're not talking about officials. We're not, well, we did, we're not officially, we're not you talking are. down officials, are we? <laughs> You are. <laughs> I'm trying to get around your rule earlier, um, but it's, I think there's, there, there seems to be a good young batch of young Scottish referees that are coming through and doing very well by all accounts. So I think we're probably at the tail end of 
bad officiating, but we're not talking the about rule that. Of Adamson. Yeah. <laughs> um, Do you not just think he looks like the most like he has got prime time seats for the big game of the weekend, and he just looked like he was miserable the whole time. I, I, I just wanted someone to go out and just be like, cheer up, mate. It's okay. It's yeah, okay. but but you don't have to. Yeah, but you also don't have to do a pre a post match report to Richard Cockrell. That's true, actually. Yeah, <laughs> as a former Glasgow Warriors player. <laughs> um, elsewhere at Silver Saturday, uh, Aberdeenshire won the National Bowl, beating Dundee Uni Medics thirty four thirty one. They were down thirteen eight at half time. Um, that was a huge achievement for Aberdeenshire because they actually dropped out of the National Leagues in twenty seventeen because they were unable to put out a sufficiently strong enough team. Uh, because a player share agreement with Aberdeen Grammar fell through. They dropped right down to the regional r- league, so it's, it's really good to see them back and winning the bowl. It must have meant a lot to the players and volunteers who've worked to keep that club going. Um, the big game of the weekend. We've got to talk about We spoke about it last weekend. Greenock, versus, Greenock Wanderers versus Berwick in the National Shield now. I know I have a huge vested interest in this as a lad from Berwick. Okay. <laughs> And I'm very, I'm very open about it. And if people want to turn off the podcast now, feel free to. However, it, I would have, I would have mentioned this in passing, even if Beric had won. But the absolute mentalness of this game is worth watching. It. So if you can, just pause the podcast now. Find the video of the whole game because it's on the SRU YouTube feed. Find it. And watch it from about the hour and 17 mark. You know, after, I mean, it's a great game. It's a cracking game. The whole thing's a cracking game. But watch from an hour and 17 minute when Berwick are down 11.35 with 20 minutes to go. Then come back. We'll wait for you. <laughs> right. You're all back now. That was unbelievable. That was Berwick leveling the match with the clock gone dead and then going on to win 57.35. In, in extra time um, earlier this evening we actually we caught up with team manager Owen Weatherhead to try and make some sense of it all so Owen um, congratulations first of all well, thank you very much um, how was your Saturday night then have you stopped celebrating yet <laughs> uh, yeah stopped celebrating uh, early hours of Sunday morning um, Sunday wasn't wasn't such a good day but uh, it was all worth <laughs> it was worth it in the end was it um, yeah, definitely I, I'm quite. It's, it's quite interesting this because um, obviously it's the, it's the club's fiftieth year, and I'm quite interested to know. Did, was was that talked about much by the players in the run up to the game, or were you just treating this sort of game as you would treat any other? No, I mean it was never mentioned. Um, if I'm being honest, uh, we we made the emphasis on on it being just like any other game. You know, we're prepared all the same way, the training wise. Yeah, there was a couple of things we met for breakfast on the Saturday morning. Kev Armstrong came in and presented the shirts, and we got a few good luck messages of um, like your brother Gareth, um, a couple of Newcastle Falcons boys, Will Welsh and Mark, Mark Wilson, uh, and a lot of other ex Berwick legends. Like so, uh, yeah, that was different. But everything else, you know, the warm up, the chat in the change room, everything was just like it's been all season. You know, there's no emphasis on anything special at all. Yeah, do you think that helped then? That sort of that that normality. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't think, like I said, there was no pressure from anyone in the club. You know, it was great achievement. But I, I think that uh, yeah, just the normality of things kept things kept the lads' feet on the ground. 
I, the other thing I've heard now, is this right? Because a couple of boys said this after the game, that, that Andrew Skeen told everyone at training on the Thursday night that Berra could be down by 18 points with 20 minutes to go, but the fitness would see you through. Did, did anybody he, he believe could, him at the time? <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he didn't say that in as many words. What he said was, we'll go down early because we've got a lot of young boys and they'll be nervous. He said, we'll, we'll go behind, but let's not panic. And then he put this, I mean, I know Andrew writes notes for every game and he sits and reads them just before he goes out. And then he put the picture in the group chat, um, I think it was Sunday or Monday, and the bottom line was, we will win it in the last 20 minutes because our superior fitness will see us through. And and he'd watch videos of them, I mean, and uh, he kind of studied them a little bit and that was the general thought by Andrew, you know, that would would win it in the last 20 minutes. Yeah, and, and I mean, it must have been quite hard for, for yourself and Colin Young, the, the, the coach on, on the sidelines with 20 minutes to go. What what kind of messages were you getting out onto the pitch when, when the boys are that far down? We just tell them, the basic thing was they keep playing. You know, yeah, the scoreline was 35-11, I think it was. and But the boys weren't playing bad. You know, they, they had a very good 13 who got man the match. I can't remember his name. And he was causing a lot of problems just on on the outside arc. But we said, look, just keep playing. When we get ball, just play how we play and we'll be fine. You know, we will get a couple of scores and make the thing look respectable. But like I say, it was 16 minutes ago. There was no way in this earth I ever thought we would win it. (laughs) And then what? And then I I just don't know. I mean, there was a couple of incidents. um, One of them was definitely the Sinbin and our big second row, the captain. Yeah, but you could see they were they were out on their feet. They were, I mean, they, they were struggling to keep up with the tempo of the game. Um, what I will say is, we had a squad of twenty-two players, and I think they only had, in my eyes, only had seventeen, eighteen. Whereas our bench was strong and, and made an impact. Their bench players didn't make an impact. That's my that's my opinion of it, anyways, and uh, that's where the difference was. Yeah, I mean, it's it, the fitness was obviously a, a, a big factor to it. I mean, you couldn't believe you know Jack Dalrymple who'd been on on the pitch for what 100 minutes running the length of the pitch to score. Um, I mean, <laughs> y- you only get the lads you know two days a week. So do you do, is are you sort of relying on them to go off and and do their own fitness things sort of outside of that? Yeah, I think a lot of them do a bit of their own stuff, but. You know, like the Jack Dalrymple, like the Rory Hindhoff, uh, they're young lads, so they should be fit, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, Andrew Skeen, he does his own stuff. Gareth Hill does his own stuff because they have to, because they know their bodies and they know what they need to do. Like, But some of these young boys, I don't think they'll... Say Duncan Hardy, for instance, who Duncan's one of the first names on our team sheet. But if he's not trained on a Tuesday night, I would imagine the first exercise he'll do after a Saturday game, is probably play for his uni on a Wednesday, and then he'll come and do a light training with us on a Thursday. Yeah, he'll not do anything in between that. Um, <laughs> so they're just young lads, and they're fit enough as it is. Like, um, but yeah, uh, the, the, I mean, the likes of Adam Pearson. I mean, I spoke to Adam about it a while ago, and he he used to just rock up and play. Did never bothered training, didn't. But now you you get to a certain age that he has to putting that little bit of work now like you know so it's just it's funny how things change with them getting older yeah um and is that i mean the the 
the other sort of impressive thing is obviously in the last 20 minutes as Beric started to come back into it, you could see the Greenwich players getting frustrated and, and um, obviously there was that yellow card. I mean, how is is that something you can coach, that discipline that Beric showed to sort of see the game out and sort of keep their own heads and not get drawn into that? Well, I, I think that uh, in my eyes, I think the leaders on the pitch do that, you know, because Tom Jackson, tremendous captain, Andrew Skeen is, I think, the calmest rugby player I've ever met in my life. <laughs> Nothing phases a lad. You know, and Tom, as much as he's a prop forward, and he was he was probably hanging, you know, he, he, he'd put in a huge shift, but he just kept the boys calm, you know, and just, let's just play. Let's just play and see what it takes for us. So, um, I think just having them two on the pitch is a huge help to it. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, I'm the, the one that is interesting, so we're going to be talking about the game in the podcast tonight, and I've persuaded the other two lads to watch it back, um, and one of the messages I got through was obviously about Ali Greaves' audacious chip and chase try in extra time. Um, it's not something forwards are supposed to do. Did, did he get a fine for that? No, the, we decided not to have fines on Saturday. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't have fined him for that one. If there was, I'd have fined him for the two that he'd done just after a kickoff. I think after we just took the lead. Yeah. For the first time in the game, he tried two clearance kicks. They were two of the worst kicks I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I actually think your brother Gareth would do better the kicks. So that's how bad they were. <laughs> um, so, um, I mean, if he popped inside, Paul Pringle was ghosting him. But Ali still thinks he's got a bit of football about him, like so. That's probably why he tried that chip and chase. Yeah, um, and and how how have you you know there's been quite a big reaction to it as well. I think people have sort of been taken with the the, the size of the win and the way that, you, that Berwick came back into it. There's even I see a few people in Berwick who wouldn't usually follow rub, rugby sitting up and taking notes. Has that surprised you? Do you think? A little bit. Uh, I mean, I, I think the the club in itself. I knew that everyone would be behind me, but there was a there was a few guys that I knew don't watch rugby at all, they're football fans but they actually made their way up to Murrayfield to watch with and when I come in after the game I had messages off them saying that was absolutely amazing and your team was superb um, so that it was good to see and the amount of support we had, you know in the end you could all you could hear was the Berwick fans shouting and cheering, it was brilliant. Yeah um, obviously, it's a big step up for the club next season in National 3. Um, I was speaking to David Eagle and your former prop at the players' dinner and he was saying that the change in physicality was a big surprise the last time the club went up. Do you think that game against Greenock maybe maybe will help prepare the, the, the younger lads a little bit this time round? Yeah, I think it probably will. Um, because in the first 20 minutes, we did, they starved with the ball. Yeah, they scored a try, but it didn't really hurt with but just that physicality. You know, the start with the ball, we couldn't get it off them. We were very physical at the breakdown. So it stands in good stead going towards next season, knowing that that's what we're going to be up against week in, week out. Um, so I've got a meeting with Tom Riddle, who is an ex-player who retired. He's going to put a lot of the boys on the strength and conditioning uh, programs to get them a little bit stronger, a little bit bigger, just for going up into that league. Yeah. Well, well, Owen, thank you very much for speaking to us today and uh, we wish you all the very best for next season. No bother, Cammy. Thank you very much. Right. There's a lot to talk about. I asked you, I, Ian, you, you, did, did you watch this, John? Because Ian, you were sending me messages. You, you watched bits of this, did you? Who, me? Ian. I, I, watched, I watched all of it. <laughs> I watched, like, I started watching it this morning on the, uh, 
I was on the bus into work and I thought, I, I just need to see all of this craziness from beginning to end. I've managed to fit in watching all of that game um, before I came on here and also fit in re-watching the Glasgow Edinburgh game. Uh, that, dedication, that's what I like to hear. That Greenock Berwick game, like, even though I knew the score, I was still watching it going, no way. Nah, that's not <laughs> happening. Some, somebody's made a mistake here. This is, no. Like, like so the, um, right, and also, you know, well, Cammy warned you already, you had your spoiler alert. I think it was in the 73rd minute. Uh, still 18.35 down, there's a three on two overlap down the left. This is after, I don't know if Greenock had gone down to 14 men by this point. I think and had, that's yeah. butch- and that's butchered, and then you're like, nah, it's not happening. <laughs> it's like, but but then I'm like, I know what happens. But I still could not believe any of it. It was just the most remarkable thing I've ever seen. It was just mental, absolutely um, crazy. I mean, it's like even that the first, well, it's the first try, Berwick's first try of the second half, where somehow winger Gareth Hill manages to stay in touch. Yeah. That's and like then, a proper rugby league finish. It was like didn't dive over and plant the ball one handed, yeah. and then because and because in the off season, like a lot of people do in Scotland, Gareth plays cricket. He did a proper cricketer's appeal for it as well. <laughs> he turned around yeah. to the toucher, <laughs> pointed at the line, and held his hand up to claim it as the way it was a cricket. Um, oh, I love a bit of cricket, me. And and you know, and he, I mean, it's 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 there's lots of wee stories in this. I mean, like Gareth Hill, uh, a mascot when Berwick played one finals day in 1998 he was on the bench as a youngster in 2004 and then he's won it um you've got andrew skeen who's a former scotland seven player who came through the ranks at berwick as a youngster and he always said he'd end his career at the club and there he is and his back seemed to be played up for the entire game but he managed to play, play for the 100 100 minutes and <laughs> and what what was wonderful about it is like the, even the end of that game the cherry on the cake was 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 an old-fashioned drop goal conversion <laughs> Did you yeah, yeah. That oh. game literally had it all. That's <laughs> beautiful. Um, I was just thought of it. Oh, Greenick. Oh, you, you kind of feel sorry for it, especially the big man, McGrorty. Oh, I know. Great game. Um, but then just some oh, some daftness, daftness at the end. And even, I like, mean, you know, a yellow card for back chat from yeah. the captain. That's, oh, come on, son. I know, but I think that that's probably down to... And this is the fascinating thing because when I was interviewing Owen and after the match, a lot of players said is Andrew Skeen turned around the lads and said, we're going to be behind for most of this game. And he prepares loads of notes for the, for the games beforehand because he's still just for, obviously he still sort of prepares to that level, that degree, even though he's, he's, he's down playing for Berwick in the regional leagues now. But he'd written down on his notes, we'll win it in the last 20 minutes. And that's that, to have, because <laughs> he'd watched well, videos well, and prepared actually, with it, yeah. yeah. They didn't say the additional the additional hundred minutes, minutes yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So and then I don't know, just that Scott that last try to make to cut uh, thirty five all to like go for the line to know, like you would expect of an international, you know, international or like pro level to like have the foresight to 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 know to try and keep it near the post because you're going to be two points down, but just to keep mm. a cool head like that, and then like you you mentioned me in like. Uh, the, the Berwick number oh, eight, the the chip and the chase. Excitement. Oh, was he? Was he Grieve? Sure, Ali, Ali Grieve. Ali Grieve. Yeah. Uh, John, have you seen it yet? I haven't. No. Sorry. Oh, so, right. Spoiler alert. Uh, number eight, chip and chase try. Perfect. Oh, beautiful. Everything about that sounds ideal. I know. Yeah. I know. Oh, and it's, it's and he still had like half the half to go to to make it, and then 
Did you? Yeah, you then got to Ian the the try of the match. Young Jack Dorimple, the intercept. Oh, the intercepts. A hundred minutes. A hundred minutes. I'm still going for the chip and chase. You still going for the chip and chase? That's, like that's the bet. Yeah, I, did, I, I still uh, think that that hundred minutes almost gone on the clock. You've played a hundred minutes of rugby, and you're running, you running a try, an intercept try from your own twenty-two, and you don't yeah. spew up half at the halfway <laughs> line. <laughs> there was one angle I saw on the replay. Did he blow a kiss to the crowd as he was running? Or oh, when he caught it? it, no, he blew a kiss. I think he blew a kiss yeah, as he, as he intercepted that, it, yeah. which was yeah, yeah. I just after. Yeah. yeah. At least he didn't Freddie Burns it, let's put it like that. That would have been brilliant, wouldn't it? It would have been hilarious. But, uh... Just, yeah, so um, I, I'm, apologies to people who feel I'm over-egging this. Um, uh, but... but just, I mean, it, it was like almost quite, not quite Scotland, England. Um, better than but... Scotland, better than Scotland, England. <laughs> well, maybe she's from Berwick, yeah, but well, I suppose she won. Um, we, we just got a draw, even though we should have won. Yeah, and of course, playing playing number ten for Greenock. Did you see who that was? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, Stuart Hogg's brother. Yeah, big Graham Hogg. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, not not much. You know, you say a classic number ten's physique. Um, but he's, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, probably but, Andy Good. Yeah, but he but apparently back in the day more talented, more more highly thought of than than Stuart, and um, just unlucky with injuries, I think. So yeah, I, I just wonder like if he got injured during the match because he stopped doing the restarts and seemed to get less involved. Because to begin with, he was you know he, a lot of the good stuff coming from Greenock was coming through him. So I wondered yeah. if he maybe picked up a knock. I him. think it's I think it was a fitness thing. I think the Berwick have got Berwick had a very have got a very young team. And speaking to Owen, he was saying when I was speaking to Owen for the the interview that we've just played, you know, when you're young lads, you don't need to do the extra fitness training. When you're an older guy, you need to look after yourself a bit more, and you you have less and less time to do that, I guess. Do you know to to fit all that in a, 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 a you know amongst life's demands that they place on you. Um, Indeed. So yeah, um, there's there's a couple of other um, wee stories. I mean, I, uh, just uh, from from that game that are just just remarkable i mean there's look the local butchers foston's fine meats now they're not paying me to say this i just think it's brilliant <laughs> so if you're local to berwick or dunsworth they've got shops in both towns pop out and get with the berwick rugby club celebration sausage nice steak stout and stilton with a hint of caramelized onion that's enough to almost make me stop being vegetarian that <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Absolutely magnificent show of support, and then and then this wee story pops. I thought that's it. I'm done. I, I can just I, I can settle down now and prepare for the podcast, and I will just mention it briefly. But then the ice absolute cherry on the cake. There's a wee story popped up on Facebook yesterday, um, on the Berwick Rugby um, Facebook group, and there was a wee girl at Murrayfield on Saturday, and she had a Berwick shirt on, and one of the one of the officials gave her his medal. Absolutely, Aww. absolutely magnificent. Um, so, I'm not going to go on about it anymore. But congratulations to Rory Harrington, Gareth Hill, Andrew Skeen, Duncan Hardy, Jack Durham, or Jack Webster, Cameron Rogerson, Darren Goodfellow, Ryan Wilson, Tom Jackson, Tommy McCall, Scott Owens, Mason Emery, Jamie Pick, Ali Grieve, Lee Douglas, Ewan Thompson, Aidan Rosie, Adam Pearson, Paul Pringle, Adam Hartley, Stuart Gilchrist, as well as the coaches Colin Young, Owen Weatherhead, and everyone else at the club. Um, 
we we are open to covering other clubs, not just Berwick on this podcast. <laughs> if you do want to email in with any special stories you've got about your club, anything that you think we should be covering, let us know. Um, more than happy to speak to anybody involved at clubs. Um, that's the kind of thing we want to try and feature <clears throat> a little bit more, so do get in touch. Um, thank you to Richard Gray on Twitter who, who pointed out that Livingston ladies, who lost 72-12 to Greenock Wanderers um, in the... Well, I want to see the ladies' bowl final. It might be in the plate. Um, but that was their very first season together as a team. So well done to Livingston ladies for, for reaching a final in your first season. That's a, that's a huge achievement. Um, awesome. The one other story coming out of Silver Saturday that's probably worth chatting about because it's the last time this is probably going to happen, but Harriet's lost 27-25 to air and um, the Harriet's coach was complaining about the draft system because airfield had Robbie Nairn and Stafford McDowell. Um, and Paddy Kelly. Yep. Is Kelly in the team as well? Apparently so. Yep. Oh, jeez. Oh, That's a bit rough, isn't it? I th- the interesting thing is, I think that the, the, the thing that comes out of this is it's not I don't it's not the SRU's fault. It's the way that it's the different ways I think that Ember and Glasgow use the regions. Yeah. And I think it comes I think particularly it comes because Dave Rennie in particular will has come from that system in New Zealand where you have a region, and you understand the importance of that region and the clubs in the region and what they how they feed into it. So you're more prepared to send your fringe players for game time in the low, you know, in the Mitre Cup or whatever it is in New Zealand. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you, you do notice that, that kind of thing. Yeah, you notice a lot of Glasgow players do play every weekend, um, be it at, at air or whatever. Um, even guys like the the, the lesser spotted uh, Masanga, um, obviously he had a, quite a lot of game time down at Glasgow Hawks, uh, despite being on a, a pro deal at Glasgow and never being seen. So <laughs> that's um, a great signing for Hawks. <laughs> I know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, imagine that one coming in pre-season. You turn up, you know, slightly overweight to play play uh, nationals, and it's uh, Masanga st- stand beside you. You'll be like, all right, okay, boys. Really? So, uh, what what incidental benefits does he get? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. You'll probably by the second season, you're probably going out oh, only Leela Masanga <laughs> by the time you've got the measure. <laughs> <in> you. <laughs> to to be fair though, to Harriet's, I mean, I understand their gripe and stuff, but my sympathy is tempered very slightly when I looked at who they drafted. Um, I walked through the list and I got to the third name on the list on the SRU website. The the the, the legend that is Scotland Sevens, Jack Cuthbert. And at that point, I was just like, no, no, guys, you cannot complain. If you're drafting a man of six foot five who turns like a tanker, then, you know, you deserve everything you get. They also drafted Blair Kinghorn. They've obviously got a type. <laughs> and they've also went with just for completion of it. They've obviously, Harriet being aligned to Edinburgh Rugby, they've got James Johnson and Christine, who are obviously going to start for Edinburgh. Yeah, Jack Cuthbert, who just what a bonkers idea that was. Um, Alan Dell, Grant Gilchrist, former Edinburgh captain or current Edinburgh captain. Yeah, that's sensible. <laughs> uh, Simon he- Simon Hickey, who we've already discussed, looks like Ramsey Bolton. Henry Pergos, who is the only scrum half who's actually competent at Edinburgh, and then Blair Kinghorn. I mean, if you're choosing a list of players who are not going to be released by their club at any given point during the season, those guys would pretty much all be there, except Jack Cuthbert. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. 
but I mean, I don't know how the draft works. I presumably you get to just like choose. I suppose it's like shopping for really big, expensive names on the champ on Championship Manager, and then sort of being scuppered. It's like when you used to cheat. In fact, there used to be a cheat yeah. on Championship Manager where you could sign, you could up the reputation of your club, give them all the money, and then you could like sign Ronaldo for Berwick Rangers. But then yeah. when it came round to the international window, because as Berwick Rangers you were required to play during the international window, you had no players. Yeah, no, no players whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. That's what you get for cheating. Exactly. Yeah, here it is. That is what. Well, we're not saying you're cheating. No, you're, you're cheating like the champ. I think I assume they had. They, it looks like they Cheat had James. The I history. think James Johnston was on the bench for Harriet's By the looks of things, to be fair. Um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's the last time. I don't. It would not. I don't think the plan is to have this when the Super Six comes in. Anyway, is the drafts. The draft's going. I think they're going to try and provide some sort of meaningful fixtures for fringe players. To to be fair, though, when you when you compare, I'm just looking at the teams just now, and obviously Harriet's read that that team out. When you compare it to you know some of the the Glasgow and the Edinburgh split is almost unfair. When you compare like Glasgow Hawks, you've got Matt Fagerson, Sam Johnston, George Horn, Pete Horn, Tim Swinson. Fraser Brown, Callum Gibbons. I mean, come on, seriously. That's that's ridiculously good quality. And the same at Sterling County, you've got Stuart Hoggs, Ander Fagerson, Ryan Wilson, Adam Hastings, Adam Ash, Nico Matalalu. Oh, it's the, I mean, the list goes on. It's, it, so I think the Edinburgh guys get a rough deal. They do, but I, I think, think what, what's, yeah, what's interesting, what I think would be interesting to know, and Edinburgh fans probably be able to tell us this, um, so I don't want to make it as a wild claim and then have letters sent to me about it but um how glasgow seem much more engaged with their regions and the players seem to go and sort of do extra bits at the you know although yeah. they've been drafted to those clubs and they then do seem to align themselves to those clubs quite closely i'm not someone might correct us on this but i'm not necessarily sure that happens at Edinburgh, and that might be they, they don't you know Glasgow stuck all their regional clubs on their pitches in the past you know on their strips in the past and things like that I don't yeah. see a lot still, of that remember you do yeah there's still there's still the the Glasgow the old Glasgow region um badge is still on the Glasgow strip as well yeah hmm anyway another probably not a discussion we'll have again because I don't think it's going to be an issue in the future um but um we, we we'll we'll move on now um if you're still with us after me basically saying how amazing Beric are for the last 20 minutes or half an hour of this podcast um that's never i'm never going to shut up about that game um let's move on we'll do we'll do this now <laughs> Yeah, it's time for Hands in the Ruck uh, or any other business um, section of the podcast. I'll preempt it. Everybody's Hands in the Ruck is the fact I don't shut up about Berwick. Um, John, <laughs> John, before I go to the to the Twitters and see what people's Hands in the Ruck are, have you got Hands in the Ruck this week? Um, I, I've actually got really positive Hands in the Ruck. Um, I, I just wanted to um, yeah say I, it was actually um, just a well, a well done to... Um, Obviously, the, the professionals at Glasgow and Edinburgh for um, for the, the performance that took place. Um, it was a very entertaining game of rugby. 
Um, I don't know how much Edinburgh wanted to contribute to that, but they ended up doing so anyway. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, 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 for one, thoroughly enjoyed the the uh, the spectacle. Um, and it was the right decision for it to be at Scotston. And had it not been at Scotston and Glasgow had lost and had cost them a home semi-final, there would have been absolute carnage. So all's well that ends well. Good, good. Um, I'll come to you in a minute, Ian. We've had a couple on Twitter. Andy Render said his hands in the ruck is Joe Marler's critique of the conga ruck and box kick prep. He said, I'm struggling to reconcile with the fact that I agree with Joe Marler on something. Um, yeah. If you didn't That's, say that, uh, he he did he shout something like, "Come on, I'm getting bored here." <laughs> yeah, but this is like you know people now. Joe Marl seems to be casting an almost Boris Johnson esque role as the lovable, affable clown. But uh, let's not forget, he's a bit of a racist. Yeah, 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 and doesn't like Cammy. No, definitely doesn't. No, like doesn't me. like Cammy. That's no, that's the worst like thing. Cammy one bit. No, nope. no, no. What was that about biscuits? He said uh, something horrendous about me, and then yeah, then he came back and said it again. I think he he clarified that he didn't accuse, he wasn't accusing me of racism, but he did think that I was a word that I can't I won't repeat on this podcast. Um, but yeah. <laughs> It was yeah, funny though because like, he, doesn't like he doesn't like me. But he sent like everyone keeps going, "Why are you trolling Joe Marlis?" I'm not trolling him. He genuinely like he tweets me. He yeah, like, at you. He at me in his his abuse. And then like when I tweeted him after we you know retained the Calcutta Cup and said, "Hi Joe, it's coming home." He didn't reply. <laughs> no oh. reply. I feel that like, sad. Oh, Still waiting just, for that reply. It's just it's just ruder people when they don't re- reply to you. I mean, they're quick enough to give you all the abuse and then pff, you just have one word back to them. And all <laughs> that's it. Um, William Wallace, I don't think it's the real William Wallace. I hope not. Um, <laughs> says a very uh, social media post. Yeah. Uh, the Brothers of Destruction, the Fagusons, uh, were his. He, he was quite excited about them. Um, the Border Badger says, his hands in the ruck as the camera work at the Glasgow Edinburgh game was the worst of the season so far. It was terrible. I was watching home. Endless close-ups of the ref and players while line-outs and scrums were forming or any break in play, etc. Drove me nuts. No appreciation of the game by the editor or producer. Hopefully things will improve next season. I have to say, actually, it's interesting because I'd, um, I'd watched some of the finals, obviously, earlier in the day um, on the SRU YouTube feed and the standard of, of, of uh, production was higher than the premise thoughts. Um, particularly, just uh, that it was quite sad actually watching the bits of the Serbian Cup that I managed to catch because it just made you know, BBC Alba so good at covering the rugby. They were, and, oh, they were so good, weren't they? They are so good. It's it's great that they've they've got the women's internationals and stuff because you know. I did see someone recently say though that it's just as well that Hugh Dan spoken in, in, in Gaelic because the amount of mistakes he makes as the Warriors announcer <laughs> was, was a great way of hiding because <laughs> no one knew what he was talking about yeah if anybody if anybody who speaks Gaelic um, wants to give us a critique of Hugh Dan and whether or not he Gaelic. did he was Gaelic um, wants to get in touch with us and let us know whether he was accurate then do let us know um, Ian what's, what's had its hands in your rook this week well, again, it was it was going to be fairly positive. Uh, one of the things I was going to mention was uh, if Warriors Player of the Year nominations are up, uh, the nominees are Fraser Brown, Johnny Gray, Big Bad Bob Harley, Adam Hastings, Ali Price, Hornito, 
Matt Fagerson and Sam Johnson, so you can get voting on that. Um, I voted for Matt Fagerson myself. I think he's been very consistent this season. Just uh, 19 games he's played this season and never had a bad game. Um, but uh, I so the one thing that is my hands in rock is during the Premier Sports coverage, you could see Ryan Wilson having to be chunter away at John Barkley. And John Barkley, he's not one to be shy to bite back. So instead of having ref Mike, I think they should do like player Mike. And I want Ryan Mills mic'd up for every class of Warrior match. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember when they done it with Hoggy? They did player Mike on Hoggy. Oh, I've seen a rugby league one, but I didn't see one with Hoggy. Yeah, there, there's one. There's one with Stuart Hogg, and oh, it's it's absolutely brilliant. It's for it was for Sky Sports. It was one of the um, uh, champions. Oh, I think yeah. I actually, yeah. and it was oh, it was brilliant. He was just screeching and squealing all over the place, and then they scored a try, and it's like I've never seen, oh, I've never heard such a high pitched squeal come out of such a <laughs> such a man. There's a, there's a, a fairly infamous one, I think, when they mic'd up CJ Stander for I think for a game again. It was uh, Munster Edinburgh. And he points at him Watson and just says, "Watch him, boys. He's not interested in going for the ball at all." <laughs> 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 oh no! Yeah, yeah. they could definitely do with more sort of player mic things. I think there's obviously there's a a lot of risk factors because we do pick up language occasionally on the referee's mic that might not be suitable for you know prime time family viewing. I would imagine that you would there would be nothing that would be broadcastable at all that would come out of Ryan Wilson's mouth in the entire eight no. minutes on the pitch. <laughs> I don't even so, think I'd be able to like go. stick it out after the watershed. We have to like two in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I stick it with a disclaimer. It's like, this is R yeah. for Ryan. For Ryan. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, my uh, my hands in the it's, it's Glasgow related. It's, it's the Aaron Crudden thing, and oh, just yeah. Aaron Crudden was never coming to Glasgow Warriors, boys. I know they had chats with Dave Rennie, but they, I, I suspect they're the kind of... There was probably some very brief discussions, but I, he wasn't. And, and I'm not necessarily sure that even if he did, it would have been the right thing. I mean, the, Glasgow, the history of Glasgow Warriors and former All Blacks is not a happy... Dire. No. That was, that was going to get... That was in the running for one of my hands in the rock, was we have, like, with, in terms of... Uh, you know, recruitment, um, our recruitment of sort of veterans. You know, you look at Saracens, they've got Will Skelton, uh, Leinster got Scott Fardy, um, Munster had Doug Howlett. We've had James Downey, who's <laughs> rubbish, Masanga, and Corey Flynn. Um, yeah, so it's it's not really going well. No, it's not. Yeah, I just, I, and also you think to get someone like Aaron Crudden, because he must have been on a, a hefty packet in the top fourteen. That money has ah, to come like from that. Fifty grand. That money has to come from somewhere to cover his wages. I'm not necessarily sure that getting someone like that's good for the the wider implications of signing someone like that aren't good. Even just the implications from a game time perspective, Hastings needs time at ten. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, he, Rennie's trusted him this year, put him in. He's saying he's you know, got the potential to be better than Finn Russell. You need to back that man then. If you're going to say things like that, you need to give him the time. And bringing in someone on 450 Gs 
it's there's a lot of pressure to play that person, particularly when you're already spending a pretty penny outside him on Hugh Jones and he's not getting a game. So there would be big, big questions asked if Cruden had arrived. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you inter- we'll, we'll watch this space anyway in terms of Glasgow recruitment? Because I think they're still not quite done yet. I don't think is the word. No, not from quite. Rennie, um, and obviously, obviously, still the word of a, a South African South uh, scrum half on on his way to um, to Edinburgh. Worst kept secret. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we. I think what we'll do is we we'll we will be back. Um, at some point, probably just before the Glasgow, we'll do we'll do a preview of the Glasgow playoff once we know who they're facing. So probably a break next week. Is that how it works? Is it next week? I've I've, I've lost track of the schedule. Well, so I've got, I've got a, a note, Cammy, that actually there'll be one particular fan of the pod will be very disappointed that we are having a break. He gets particularly upset when we take weeks off because it is in his own words, the highlight of his week. Uh, so I'll give, give him a big shout. It's uh, Stephen Campbell, uh, who had the pleasure of meeting on Saturday there. Uh, lovely big man and a massive fan of the pod. Oh, well, Stephen, thank you very much for listening. We do we do appreciate everybody that, that takes the time out to listen to the podcast. Um, we if, if we've got anything to talk about, we'll try and put something out next week, Stephen, just for you. Um, but um, obviously, with with neither Ember or Glasgow being in action, it, it's there might not be a lot to talk about. If if suddenly we get a Scotland squad announcement from from out of the blue, then we'll we'll get together and maybe have a chat about that. Do you know what we can talk about? We can do a full pod, and I'm talking a full hour and a half, just debating Hastings versus Russell. Ooh, now there's just, a just, thought. Just a full, full, let's just do it. Let's just go full. We'll go in depth. We'll get the stats out. We'll get the we'll get the hairstyles out. We'll just go hardcore. That's a good shout. Let's do that. Let's do a Hastings versus Russell pod next week. It's kind of like celebrity death match, but for Scottish tens. Well, I think um, <laughs> hairstyles and audio. Uh, medium isn't really gonna. It's, it's gonna be interesting. Well, I, I think we it. should take the time to describe. You know, for for mm. casual casual listeners, in you know, describing our best sort of warrior off, style. Off of the, the visually impaired as well. Well, know, exactly. Yeah, discuss, we are discuss the lacquer. Uh, we are an accessible podcast. <laughs> always it? always pushing boundaries. <laughs> Which one's the Daffer Dan man? Oh, this has gone too far, right? It's Stop. gone too far. I think we're done now. Um, yeah, so we, we probably won't be back next week if we're really honest to, to do that podcast. At some point, once once we know Ross Ford's intention, we are doing a Ross Ford special podcast. Um, I just need to wait to find... I'm Is not doing legit, one. Cam? Sorry. Is that legit? That's legit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> full career. Full career review um, of... of so we'll go, go through the podcast. Six. Yeah. High like highs, lows, hey. lines, appearances, the 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 lot. I mean, he's you know he's Scotland's most capped player. And joking aside, joking aside, he's Scotland's <laughs> most capped player. I think we need to give it the time and the room to breathe and take on the news. But I, I'm still secretly holding out from getting a just because I'll just. I don't think that he on merit he should be going to the World Cup. But just the romantic in me wants Ross Ford to make a fourth World Cup. Where are you planning this for? Where once and once we know his future, once we know either that the World Cup's done and he's been in the squad, or he retires from rugby, doesn't make the squad, or the yeah 
sometime after the World Cup, France. most likely. Because if he doesn't retire from... Because there's always a chance he might get added to the squad during the World Cup if he doesn't retire from not rugby. Not that many injuries away from that, sadly. He's not. No, this is the thing. This is the exciting... This, this is what's getting me... I'm, this is the thing that's keeping me... <laughs> I'm really genuinely... I'm really so excited for this happening because... Like, oh, just one injury away and we get Ross Ford for a fourth World Cup. Yes. Oh, yeah. a few injuries away. So anyway, yeah. yeah, so we will do, for, once we know what has happened, probably after the World Cup, we'll do a full Ross Ford career review podcast. We'll find space for that. That is definitely happening. Um, I invited on. You, you're more, on. Than, more than welcome to come. We might try and get, uh, we've also got plans. Pre-World Cup, we are doing a special, um, it's, we, we, I've, I've, I'm planning it with, we've got some special guests on. We're going to do a Dungeons and Dragons style quest based well, around Scotland based around then. Scotland's um Scotland's trip to Japan for the World Cup. So there's gonna be various the I'll tell you now you are the cult, Gregor Townsend's cultural attache and you'll be set a number people the the people that are going to take part there they are experienced game gamers they tell me so they're they're coming on to play that with me. I'm I'm in the middle of developing it. We might get one of you guys on uh, just to feel baffled by just, the whole idea of it just for a band for bands, yeah. just for bands but that's it there's a whole series of challenges and then we i think if it works out you'll be able to play at home as well <laughs> if this works out fine it's, it's so yeah so that's how i'm spending if my unresolved. summer yeah if unresolved that's how i'm i'm spending uh, my summer developing that game <laughs> a text-based adventure game but basically it's bandersnatch but for scotland's trip to japan Better than the summer you spent avoiding the Lions uh, results. That's, doing that's very true. Watching the Lions. <laughs> yeah, and then having to produce a podcast throughout the whole thing as well. Yeah. <laughs> that, was a hard, that was a hard summer. <laughs> anyway, we've rambled on long enough. Uh, once again, congratulations to Berwick. I'm going to get in that in again. Um, we will be back in two weeks' time to preview the whoever Glasgow are going to end up playing in the semi-final. Um, and then... We'll take it from there. All being well, well, we'll have full coverage of the final as well. And then at some point, we'll be doing a full season review, but we'll wait until the season's actually over um, before we do that. Um, Sandy Smith has got an Ember season review coming up on uh, the blog at some point in the few next few days or weeks, um, because obviously, um, unfortunately, Ember season is over. Their season, uh, well, <laughs> I was going to try and say that in a kind way, and but there we go. Yes, Ember <laughs> season is over. Um, sadly. I'll add that for balance. Um, but for the minute, um, we are not over as a podcast like Ember season. Um, we will continue and plow on. We will be back in two weeks. Uh, for the minute, it is goodbye from me. Don't write me any letters about that. And it's goodbye from John and Ian. Cheerio. <laughs>